0: And here we go. Welcome to HSK Today. Brian McCormick here. You there. Jared Justice, DeMond Cotton there on the other side of the glass for a one hour of horse hockey talk. Take it right up until 4 p.m. when we'll kick it over to The guys in the desert, and uh, right now I guess the only question is, is an hour going to be enough time? We have a pretty jam-packed afternoon for you as we will, of course, cover last night's contest against the Colorado Eagles and get you set up for the next two games, also against the Eagles on Friday and Saturday night as the Silver Knights coming off a night in which, uh, well, a feeling they're not too familiar with, a night when they didn't have their best and couldn't find a way to make it work. A 5-2 loss to the Colorado Eagles that ruined their home perfection. The record uh, was 7-0 and oh, coming into last night's contest at the Orleans Arena, so the Silver Knights suffered their first home loss. We'll talk about, again, what, what went into it and what they need to correct to bounce back for this weekend. We'll also hear from Jack Dugan, the rookie sensation for the Silver Knights, who's playing at about a point-per-game pace. He'll uh, join us in the second segment. Harold, the town crier, will join us in the third segment to give us a bit of an idea about what, uh, well, what, is it, what goes into becoming a town crier. How do you get that job? How do you develop into uh, the – well, the – the secondary voice of the Orleans Arena, I guess we could say. So Harold the Town Crier will join us, and we'll also have our first edition of Hockey IQ to go along with some fan uh, mailbag questions. So a lot to cover this afternoon, and let's get right down to it. As we mentioned, the Henderson Silver Knights 5-2 Five-two defeat last night at the hands of the Colorado Eagles. It's an Eagles team that's won four in a row right now and is making their way up the Pacific Division standings. And for the Silver Knights, last night it was it was something that we're not that familiar with seeing from them this season, which is a night when they didn't have it. They uh, were a little bit a little bit sluggish, never really able to, to get their game going. Uh, combined with the fact that previous occasions when they've had a night like that or a, a performance like that at least one player has been able to overcome it. Uh, if you look at Sunday when Manny Viveros wasn't thrilled with the output for his team against the San Jose Barracuda, well, a 38-save outing from Logan Thompson and a shutout was the, was the difference. Silver Knights last night looked a, a human for the first time, and I, th- I guess what you take away from that is, well, it took 16 games for the Silver Knights to look thoroughly human from head to toe. But they, they certainly didn't put themselves in the best position last night. They took a one nothing lead early, Pavel Dorofiev scoring uh, about eight minutes into the first period. And then after that, they got into serious, serious penalty trouble, which is something that Manny Viveros talked about a lot last night and a little bit this morning as well, as we'll get to in a moment. But the Silver Knights had two 5-on-3 disadvantages in the span of about two minutes. Uh, as one rolled right into the other they survived both of those five on three sequences but you can only play that game for so long before it catches up to you Keeper sherwood scored a goal to tie the game about 15 minutes into the first period a power play goal for a colorado power play that's done really nothing this season they came into the game with five power play goals all year and they had two last night Uh, but for the silver knights the the penalty kill which has been so strong going into last night they killed 12 in a row There's two compliments you can give for your penalty kill, that it has a very, very high percentage and that you rarely have to use it. Silver Knights uh, came into the game with the second-best penalty kill in the American Hockey League, but overused, overworked, overtaxed, and eventually overcome by the Colorado Eagles. And because of that, the Silver Knights really never able to to set the tone and get their game going, both in terms of the flow uh, and in terms of of actually dictating the pace and and dictating the style of play. And that's something the Silver Knights are very accustomed to being on the other side of the equation with. Uh, But last night an Eagles team that got an infusion of talent earlier in the day with Kiefer Sherwood. Uh, and Jason Megna assigned to the Eagles from the Colorado Avalanche earlier in the day. Those two players had massive impacts for Colorado. So Silver Knights had to make their adjustments. And earlier today, we talked a little bit with Manny Viveros, and he talked about, well, you know, last night he was upset with the penalties. This morning, still upset with the penalties, but what was the message to the team in the locker room? Here's what Manny Viveros had to say.
1: Um, that was the message uh, to our team this morning here again. Um, you know, going back over the last two games here, as far as the amount of penalties that have been in the box there, um, you know over two games there as well over one period that we're killing penalties and it just it, it just causes too much uh uh, disruption on your bench as far as uh, you know guys are expending hard minutes again on, on the, those penalty kills and a lot of times you can lose their legs after that uh you know after you know even one period like we did yesterday and even though you're trying to spread out the penalty kill as much as possible um, you know you still have your your main guys that do it all the time too so um no that, that message hasn't changed at all uh certainly you get a little bit of time to sleep on things and you know as, as a coach or a staff you don't uh Uh, you're not as uh, you know as heated but uh, you know one thing we do is that the next day we come in it's uh, you know regardless of how we were the the night before we're going to be the same anyhow we're going to come in we're going to talk with the players and uh, you know we're going to tell them the truth and this is why we weren't good or what we need to correct on and we're going to let them know that we're going to discuss as a group and move on and that's what we've done
0: and that was head coach Manny Viveros. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You take two perspectives from those comments. When you're killing penalties that much, that uh, really consecutively was it was the latter half of the first period that the Silver Knights were shorthanded and they they paid for it. Not only are you spending a lot of time on the defensive, and as we mentioned, you're not really able to assert your style of play because you're defending for the entire period. On top of that, though, you hear Manny Viveros mention the, the grinding down of his players and the Silver Knights are a team where a lot of their skilled players also kill penalties. Now, Patrick Brown is currently with the Vegas Golden Knights taxi squad. Uh, Gage Quinney, day-to-day, was unavailable last night. But those are two players who kill penalties. Jake LeCision kills penalties. Carl Dahlstrom and Zach Hayes play a lot a lot on the penalty kill, and so does Jimmy Schultz. So not only being shorthanded like that does it hurt you in terms of the amount of time you have to spend defending, it also hurts you in the sense that players who you rely on for other things have to expend a lot of energy and a lot of ice time killing penalties. And uh, for the Silver Knights, you you could see that. That that certainly took its toll early, and they were never really able to to quite recover. So the message is going to be, hey knock it off and you wonder from a coaching uh, perspective you know nobody makes mistakes on purpose right I don't I don't make mistakes on this radio show intentionally when they happen they happen and uh, you, of course you you work to get better at them but if the instruction from uh, management was Brian stop messing up well if if I could I would it's it's got to be something more than that and I, I asked uh, Zach Hayes earlier today like is the message that simple just knock it off or is there more thought that goes into it here's what Zach Hayes had to say a lot of the penalties that we take are, uh, that we've taken over the last couple of games, games have been dumb penalties, uh, stuff that like retaliatory penalties, stick infractions, things that we can really control. And then there's other, also a, up, a couple other penalties, delay games, just making sure you're focused on getting the puck out but not into the stands and um, moving our feet as well. If we're if we're chasing the game, there's a lot higher chance of us getting a penalty but if
2: we're leading the play leading the uh, flow of the game we're more likely to draw a penalty.
0: And that was Zach Hayes. And again, one f- one hand feeds the other. If you're making mistakes, if you're taking penalties, you're not going to be able to dictate the flow of the game. If you're not dictating the flow of the game, you're going to be in a position to take more penalties. And you could see it was a bit of a cyclical effect for the Silver Knights uh, yesterday. And, and something else interesting that Manny Viveros mentioned this morning when he was asked by a reporter, you know, at this point, the Silver Knights are 13 And, three. Uh, last night, notwithstanding, last night was probably the, the first uh, game for the Silver Knights that was, that was a bit of a, a, a flat performance that, again, a player like Logan Thompson or uh, Dylan Secura wasn't able to, to make the difference to in, in a slim margin. That was a night where the Silver Knights just didn't have it, very similar to the Ontario loss a couple of weeks ago. Um, but when you when you look at this record in this team and, and the amount of winning they've done, well, we've talked about is there a lesson to be learned in handling adversity when there hasn't been a whole lot of adversity to this point. Yeah, there's something to that. But on top of that also is you get used to winning. That's a good thing. You want to get used to winning. You want to get used to having the expectation that you're going to win. But on top of that, does complacency set in? Not laziness, not intentional taking things for granted. It's human nature. When everything's going well, you worry a lot less. You, you, you The the fine details start to drift a little bit. Uh, and that's something that Manny Viveros said. Yeah, you know, you, you have to, that's part of what, coaching is at this point you take these losses and you take the lessons from them but you also reassert that if you let up on the fine details if you let up on discipline it doesn't take a lot for teams in this league to catch up to you and to to exploit those mistakes so uh well you know that lesson is to be learned but for the silver knights uh they'll have some bounce back work to do this week against the colorado eagles again the silver knights still atop the american hockey league standings with a record of 13 and three, they'll look to get back in the win column. Well, one player who, uh, despite the loss, had a good statistical showing, continues to put up some points, is Pavel Dorofiev, who opened the scoring for the Silver Knights last evening. O'Regan with it, plays it out to the left point. Dahlstrom walks in the middle, winds and fires, scores! Dahlstrom with the shot, it was deflected in front. I believe Dorofiev gets a piece. Silver Knights strike first, it's one nothing. And that was Pavel Dorofiev scoring his second goal in as many games, his fourth of the season, also his second goal this season against the Colorado Eagles. And, you know, we talk about uh, Pavel Dorofiev who has uh, the, the ability to add some flash. He absolutely adds some flash. But on top of that, you know, he's a player that has quietly done some simple things very, very well to get to the front of the net. Now, you know, he was a healthy scratch last weekend. Still a young player, still learning. The defensive side of the game is still something that, that comes along, and every player is going to have some uh, instances where they're in and out of the lineup learning certain lessons or because of uh, matchups that Viveros and his staff want to exploit. But for Pavel Dorofiev in the offensive zone, very, very heady around the front of the net. Uh, the goal he scored last night, a deflection in front, but when he's in front of the net, he's creating, He's uh, for a, a player who doesn't have a lot of stature to create a havoc in front, he is a, pl- a person who finds those soft areas, and I think that's what's been most impressive about Pavel Dorofiev so far. He finds soft areas, he finds those areas uh, where where. The, and, and we'll look at last Sunday the goal he scored on the feed from Lucas Elvinus, a perfect example too, where he just finds that soft spot, that weak spot in the high slot that's between where the defenseman should be covering and where the winger should be coming down to. He has a good head for where those areas are, and when the puck comes to him, it's on off his stick lightning quick. Uh, so for a young player who's learning the North American game, it's been very impressive. Uh, sometimes for, for European players that are used to the larger ice surface and maybe have that instinct that they should stay to the outside, create from the perimeter. Pavel Dorofiev, not only does he create from the middle of the ice, he goes to the middle of the ice, he wins physical battles in front, and on top of that, the the instincts and the quickness to dart in, dart out. When the puck is there, he's in. When it disappears, he hops back out to a defensive position. When, the, uh, when there's an opening, a soft spot, Jumps in, jumps out, he'll take the puck to the front uh, that, that kind of instinct and, and frankly uh, the, the style of play where you say you know what he's not thinking that much and that's as a compliment. he's very reactive, he has good awareness and good instincts for the uh, the house that area between the face off dots and the uh, the goal line and and he's been able to produce so for Pavel Dorofiev, that's three goals in his last five contests and he was a bright spot for the silver Knights last night, as was Ben Jones, who scored a goal. He now has three goals in his last five games as well. We'll hop out, and when we come back, we'll hear from Jack Dugan, the Silver Knights rookie, who is among the league leaders in rookie scoring. Jack Dugan on the other side of the break. On HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab?
3: No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick.
2: Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is... HSK Today.
0: Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you as we talk... Silver Knights hockey up until 4 o'clock, and we are joined by Silver Knights rookie Jack Dugan, who's off to a tremendous start to his professional career. And uh, Jack, thank you for joining us. Right off the top, I've got to ask you, uh, you are now 23 years old. Your birthday was yesterday. I can't believe they made you work on your birthday. First thing I wanted to ask was, for for yourself, again, having such a tremendous start to the season, uh, what are your early impressions of of your own game and how quickly you've been able to acclimate to, to AHL hockey?
3: I, mean, I think I'm playing well. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be confident coming into it. So I just kind of had to have that uh, belief in myself. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to change that approach, even with it uh, being a new league. So um, I think I've, I've had a pretty good start to the season, but I know I got a lot more in me, and I'm uh, excited to be able to show that over this. I mean, almost the second half of the season now.
0: Jack, something that players talk about, and well, we all talk about sometimes, the difference between the development routes for college players and for junior players. You went to Providence College and were a Hobie Baker finalist last year. For juniors, sometimes with with maybe some younger players, it's a much more wide-open style. It's a lot harder to put up points in the college game with some older players and just more, more of a lockdown style of hockey. You didn't have that problems. Does playing in that tighter environment in college hockey better prepare you to be a playmaker at the pro level?
3: Um. And honestly, if, if you would ask me, I'd say yes. I think that's why uh, a big reason I chose college hockey was because I thought, at least personally for for me, it would um prepare me better for uh, the AHL and eventually the NHL than uh, Major Junior would. So, um, I, I owe a lot of credit to, to Providence College and just college hockey in general. I think um they did a really good job of preparing me for where I am now.
0: Now, of course, you had a standout season last year for uh, for Providence College, leading the the nation in points and assists. Uh, did your was your intention at the start of last season that okay, we'll play this next year and then we'll go pro, or was last year just such a good season that that you knew you were ready?
3: Uh, no, I pretty much in the back of my mind that, um, you know, if, if I lived uh, what I was supposed to do um, the second year of college, that I should turn pro afterwards, and um, I talked with. The whole coaching staff and being an there, and they knew it, um, and they agreed with it. Uh, everyone was on board with it. So, um, no, I mean, last year um, was no surprise to me. It might have been a surprise to a lot of people, but um, <laughs> it wasn't for me. I did exactly what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, we weren't able to have playoffs, which was a huge bummer. But uh, you know, even though we weren't able to, it was still my time to uh, to turn pro.
0: We're with Jack Dugan on HSK Today. Jack, among the rookies in the American Hockey League, I wonder if there's any kind of a fraternal sense. We talk about the seven degrees of separation of hockey. It's probably every third or fourth player you either played with or against somewhere along the line. But but is there ever any kind of, like, I don't know, uh, a nod of acknowledgement between guys who are also in their rookie year, just kind of uh, all just keeping track of each other, or is it completely independent?
3: If I'm being honest with you, I really don't know um, many of the other rookies in the league. I, I couldn't tell you too many of them. Uh, I know a couple of guys uh, from around the league, but they've been at least a year or two already. so um, I'm, sure, I'm sure there would be if, if I was aware of it, but um, in all honesty, so far there, there hasn't been.
0: Well, now you just sound antisocial. Like, I'm going to have to go to the other rookies. I'm going to have to find out from the guys in San Jose. Like, is, is Jack Dugan standoffish? He sounds like he's not the—he's not uh, getting to the water cooler that much.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not too worried about guys at the team when we're out there. I'm just trying to focus on myself, so maybe they would uh, maybe they'd agree with me on the antisocial thing. But uh, outside, maybe after the game, I was a bit more of a, a friendly guy.
0: Jack, you're, you're a Rochester, New York guy. That's where you grew up. Uh, Rochester, of course, is a, a longtime AHL town with the Rochester Americans. Did you watch a lot of AHL hockey growing up? Did, did going to American's game have any influence on you wanting to play hockey uh, when you got older?
3: Yeah, of course. We would go to the uh, Amer- Amherst game all the time. Um, I actually happened to be close by um, two of the former, well, one of the former head coaches of the Amherst and a former head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. So that organization, uh, I've been lucky enough to have great coaches that were in it. It now uh, helped me along the way. And uh, um, I mean, it's been uh, a huge influence on me. I had uh, a former Amherst player as my coach when I was like 10 to 12 years old. And um, I still talk to him all the time. So uh, like you said, the Amherst has been a uh, pretty big influence on my hockey career.
0: Was your first hockey game that you attended as a kid, if you remember, was your first hockey game an Amherst game, or did you go somewhere else?
3: Um, As far as I can remember, yeah. It may not have been, but uh, to to my uh, earliest memory, it was.
0: We're with Jack Dugan. Speaking of uh, your experience playing hockey in upstate New York, you were also a, a student at Northwood Prep School, if I'm not mistaken, and that's in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, which is hallowed yeah. ground for USA Hockey. When when you play at Northwood, are you kind of always surrounded by that mystique, or or do you just is that for the tourists?
3: No, it was uh, it was a great experience. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That um, was actually coach at Northwood was the former coach of the Amherst. Um, before he was the coach
1: at Northwood,
3: and um, he asked me if I wanted to go up there. And, Obviously, I did, and I, I, like I said, I would do it again. It was such a cool experience. Northwood helped would help me greatly in, in the classroom, and uh, obviously on the ice as well. But going back to what you said about the, I think it is a bit touristy, but uh, at the same time, our home rink was obviously uh, the Miracle on Ice rink, so it was it was really fun to just be in that building every day and, and play hockey.
0: Can't imagine uh, going to the the Herb Brooks Arena every day and it just becomes old hat. Uh, what an experience, especially for a young <laughs> kid. Uh, we're with Jack Dugan. Jack, it's it's a very strange year. Obviously, not a traditional rookie season for anyone who's uh, in their first year in the league with the uh, the COVID circumstances. What does Jack Dugan do when he's not at the hockey rink? Uh, well,
3: this year is definitely a bit different. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to. Uh, really see any of my family um, people come out and visit because of COVID. So usually, on uh, the past, he, he's coming every other weekend. Uh, I mean, that'll change now that I'm in Vegas, but I'm sure they're here right now. So, um, them not coming out is definitely a bit a bit new and um, definitely gets bored sometimes. But uh, my girlfriend's been, been here with me, so she's been keeping me company um, the whole season. So, I mean, not, there's not much to do right now, unfortunately. We're pretty much locked down, so uh, watch a lot of TV and, and series and stuff like that.
0: Well, as you say, even for teammates, like, again, you guys can't spend time together away from the rink like you ordinarily would, so is there a, a, a Fortnite tournament going or a Madden League? How do you guys <laughs> all uh, bond when you're not in the locker room?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, we got to March Madness going right now, so um, obviously that's a big one. And um, I don't know, we play... Uh, play golf every once in a while, but outside of that, so I guess that there's really not much we can do, which is uh, really
0: unfortunate. We're at Jack Dugan. Jack Dugan is a jack of all trades. He's a baseball guy as well. Jack, you said you played baseball growing up. You're a big Yankees guy. Uh, were you a good baseball player, or were you a guy who played baseball? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I'd say I was a big baseball player, but I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if you asked anyone else um, that have a different answer, but I I would say I was pretty good. Yeah, I I, I loved it. And, um, both my brothers played, and my dad was my coach when I was here in Little League and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was a big part of my life for sure.
0: What was your position? Were you a, like a, a high-profile shortstop? Or you were you in uh, right field for the third, fifth, and seventh innings? I,
3: I was not shortstop. Yeah, I usually uh, shortstop hit two or three. So um, it was it was fun. I was, I was like, I, 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 it may not sound
0: good, but I uh, can't one over the other. We're with Jack Dugan. Jack, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when you were in school, you were an English major. Now, I know sometimes for college athletes, you pick a major that fits the uh, the practice schedule or, or, you know, just what uh, is the closest tie to what you want to do. Are you a big reader? Were you a big lit guy? Are you a... Uh a shakespearean expert what's your what'd you get from your english education at providence
3: no i, I unfortunately i'm not um i kind of just uh i i, was, I tried to get my core classes out of the way first my freshman year and I, and I was forced to major and um i pretty much knew that i was gonna be finishing. so uh,
0: Jack, up. Oh, we still got. Sorry, Jack. You're, you're cutting in out a little bit, but uh, we will. Because you cut out, I missed a little bit of your answer, which just means that you are an English expert, and that when we have the the, the fan event for the seminar on uh, the the grapes of wrath, you will lead the group. So thank you for volunteering. Uh, while we have a couple of minutes left, Jack, we're gonna just a couple a couple of fun questions just to 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 get beyond the. Uh, the nitty-gritty and find out who you are as a person, okay? The, the, I think these are really good psychological questions that cut right to the heart of it.
1: Jack, right. tell, us,
0: tell us something that you think you're really good at, but nobody else thinks you're good at.
3: Oh, boy. Um, that's a hard one, honestly.
0: Um, See, this is how we know you're a young player, because if you were married, you'd have like five answers right off the top of <laughs> it. <bet. laughs>
3: Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe cooking. I think I'm, I'm learning. I think I'm doing pretty well, but um, I don't know. you ask my girlfriend she may not agree. So um, I got a couple dishes up my sleeve, but that she likes. So um, I'd have to go with
0: that. Is a garbage plate one of them? As a Rochester guy, our audience probably oh. doesn't know what that
3: is. Only well, when I'm back in Rochester, it is. That's for sure.
0: A garbage plate, Jack, is is basically a styrofoam bucket with whatever combination of meat, french fries, and uh, picnic salads you want. That's basically a good way to sum it up, isn't it?
3: That is correct, yes.
0: And that's why there are very, very few six-packs in Rochester. (laughs) Uh, Second question for you, Jack. Something that you tell everyone you hate, but you secretly love.
3: Oh, man. I don't know, probably reality TV, I'd say. Uh, a A lot of guys are... Are you are like it,
0: but I think are you, are, you a bachelor, are you a Bachelor guy? So many more hockey players watch The Bachelor than I ever thought would be the case.
3: Yeah, I mean, not as much as some other guys, but I've, uh, I've watched, uh, not this past season, I've watched this season before, though, so uh, everyone, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good season, I'm going to watch it.
0: It it's amazing. you. You mentioned the March Madness bracket. Somehow the the Bachelor pool always has so many more players in the locker room than the March Madness bracket <laughs> does. Jack, last question. <laughs> we'll let you go. What what is a personal possession that you have had the longest? Whether it's a hat, a teddy bear, something. What what's something that you've kept for uh, well since since your childhood? Um.
3: Probably a. Uh, a necklace that uh, I got when I was going into my freshman year, about maybe going into my eighth year, from my brother went over to Italy, um, brought me back a necklace for the St. Sebastian charm on it that I had had and, and uh, pretty much never taken off since.
0: Well, a very nice keepsake, and Jack, we hope uh, during a very long professional hockey career that you'll pick up a few rings as well. Jack, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon to join us. Uh, Happy birthday once again, and we'll see you this weekend against Colorado. All
3: right, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: That was Silver Knights rookie Jack Dugan, who's playing at about a point-per-game pace in his first pro season. We'll step aside, and when we come back, Harold the Town Crier will join us. We'll find out what goes into being a proper Town Crier at the Orleans Arena. Straight ahead on HSK Today. back on HSK today. Brian McCormick here with you. And on any given night at the Orleans Arena, the only person who's doing more screaming in this building than me is Harold the town crier. And Harold is kind enough to join us this afternoon. Harold, thank you for joining us. And and I, I'm not sure how comfortable you are joining us on this mystical telephone device uh, that I'm very oh. surprised you have.
2: Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> this wizard talk box, as I call it, uh, <laughs> was, was helped I was helped by my roommate, Bojo. He took me to the mall a few nights ago and helped me secure one for a mere pittance because I was told it was on sale.
0: Well, a hearty huzzah to you, Harold the Town Crier, and I thank you for going through the trouble. Uh, First, I must ask you, Harold, how does one become a professional town crier because I've never seen that,
2: uh, that course offered in school? Fantastic question. There are two paths and two paths only. The first is to be chosen. The lady of the lake, Galadriel, has a sister named Nancy, and she bestows on you the opportunity to form tasks and complete those tasks. Then you have to pull the horn from the stone, and if you succeed, you are a town crier. I, myself, went the other route, much more perilous, dangerous, and time-consuming. I was trained by Hank the Hornsman. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, Hank the Hornsman sounds a lot, a lot uh, easier to deal with than Nancy of the Lake. Uh, <laughs> grumpy, he's grumpy. and he lives under a bridge. He does. Well, Harold, I I always wonder. I'm always impressed with the, how your voice resonates throughout the arena. And I, I wonder to myself, are you always that loud? Because that's got to be really difficult if you're in the library or the the church confessional. I mean, it's got to be a a, a tough uh, cross to bear there.
2: Loud? (laughs) Ah, At the town crier conventions, I am joked upon as being meek and humble. I am but just a mere humble town crier. When I go to the town crier library to read about horns, I am told to be louder. (laughs) We're with
0: with Harold the town crier who uh, pulled the horn from the stone and was crowned the town crier of the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, Harold, how did you get interested in hockey? Because, again, well, I assume that you didn't read about it in the library or that you weren't sent here by Nancy of the Lake. How did you become interested in hockey?
2: I feel it's been inside me my whole life. As a young boy running in fields away from the deer, I would see (laughs) images of curved wooden sticks smacking about a small cylindrical rock on a frozen lake top past a gilded, padded man and into a welcoming net and that's when i heard the horns the horns the excitement i've been drawn to it ever since it is the greatest pastime ever <laughs> ah that would have been perfect for my horn i don't have my horn i apologize where's your horn ah that's a good story <laughs> so my other roommate brand new roommate he is the he is the henderson silver knight mascot Great guy. He he has taken my horn from my sleeping grasp in the night and took it to get polished, tuned, and sharpened, I hear. I, I do not understand why it needs to be sharpened. But he, he has done this for me as a favor, and I greatly appreciate it. Ah, mm, sorry, sorry. I need my horn. <laughs> If
0: you're just joining us, uh, we're with Harold, the town crier. But you certainly didn't need me to tell you that. Whose horn has apparently been stolen by Lucky the horse? Uh, Harold, I must ask. I was I was nervous on opening night uh, for the first uh, the first goal. I want to make sure I got the call down just right. Were you nervous to announce the first goal in Henderson Silver Knights history?
2: Was I nervous to do the thing that I was born to do, the thing that I'd worked my whole life to do for the greatest fans? In the greatest moment, yes, I was nervous. <laughs> I care a lot about what they think, and I did not want to mess up.
0: This is why you're the most the most humble of the town criers, as we've been informed. Uh, Harold, is do you have a favorite name that you've gotten to announce thus far?
2: I I do have an affinity for all of them, but if I had to pick arrow to my to my back, I would pick probably ba Reed Duke because of the name Duke. And I don't know if you know this little inside information. Duke is actually a medieval term, and I love wordplay.
0: <laughs> this, uh, Damon, this is great because my entire pregame show for uh, for Friday night is writing itself. Uh, we're with Harold, the town crier. Harold, what are we've seen a couple of very impressive uh, displays from you on your horn uh, during commercial breaks, where you break out some really, uh, really like smooth jazz almost. What's your favorite song to play on your horn?
2: To answer such a question would be to imply that I use the horn for recreational purposes on my own, which is not in the rules. But if I had to use it not for a decree or a declaration or an announcement, I would probably play my favorite song, "Billy Toads and Gibblewax," which is a song I wrote myself, and it is a dance hit.
0: <laughs> Will we hear that this weekend?
2: Uh Oh, well, we, we shall see. I'm a, I'm a bit rusty in my up-tempo <laughs> dance beat.
0: Well, Harold, you just met Lucky the horse for the first time this weekend. Lucky is now your roommate, apparently, and uh, he's also apparently stealing from you, but he's stealing for good reason as he's uh, refurbishing your horn. How has the relationship with Lucky
2: been? Oh, it, it, it is up and down, more up than down, I must say. He is a wonderfully uh, uh, helpful roommate. Uh, I appreciate he cleans after himself quite well. Uh, and is very uh, friendly when it comes to sharing his snacks. So very few complaints. D- does he appreciate
0: the horse joke of the game, or does he take offense?
2: My goodness, He makes me tell it over and over again. When we get home, I say it countless amounts of times, and he hugs me, and we have a great time deep into the night.
0: We've seen some new merchandise at the Orleans Arena over the past week uh, as you have become more and more popular. There are now Herald the Town Crier t-shirts At Henderson Silver Knights Games, does Harold have one of his own T-shirts?
2: Huzzah! When I saw those tunics, I was beside (laughs) myself with joy and glee. I took out what little bits of gold I had left, and I bought a box of them. But unfortunately, my generosity exceeds my wealth, and I had mailed all of my shirts out to friends and family around the flat earth. (laughs) Ha, ha,
0: ha! Well... Certainly the T-shirt doesn't match the ensemble that we've seen you in to this point. Harold, uh, the town crier, before we wrap this up, one last question. Uh, we did have fans in the building for the first time this weekend. We're now three games in with fans in attendance at the Orleans Arena. How great was it for you to actually get to announce goals to living, breathing fans in your vicinity?
2: Do not Mistake me for telling a mistruth when I say it is the greatest thing I've ever done. Greatest. Number one. Number two was announcing the Queen and King's marriage. Number three was a birthday party that I really enjoyed. But this was by far number one a goal. Greatest fans in the AHL and the world. Ah, I need my horn. Lucky. Where is my horn? Lucky.
0: Well, Lucky has stolen the horn and ruined this send-off moment. But, Harold, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to, to visit with us today, and I hope you have a lot more number one moments up ahead uh, the rest of the way at the Orleans Arena. Thank you for joining us, Harold, and huzzah to you. Ah, huzzah. That was Harold the Town Crier. Uh, that, 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 uh, that that's a career maker right there. Well, that was Harold the Town Crier, and uh, thrilled to have him join us, and uh, we hope to hear from him. A lot this weekend, Friday and Saturday, against the Colorado Eagles. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to have our debut episode of Hockey IQ and also answer a few fan mailbag questions as well. Straight ahead, Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today.
2: I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window. Open it and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on
0: HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you, wrapping things up on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, DeMond Cotton and Jared Justice on the other side of the glass. Boy, have we learned a lot today. Uh, We've learned that Jack Dugan has an affinity uh, for reality TV, which apparently, DeMond, you you can relate to that.
2: Oh, yeah, real big. Started the first season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills you know, caught up on New Jersey and L.A. as of now. We'll
0: have to dig in a little deeper, see exactly what uh, Jack Dugan is tuning into. Uh, and We've also learned that Harold the Town Crier is living with Lucky. Uh, Lucky is stealing his uh, horn from time to time, but doing it in a favorable sense, uh, and that apparently Harold uh, is distributing Harold the Town Crier t-shirts around the flat earth. So we've learned a lot, uh, and I think it's time to learn a little bit more. You know, Damon, I don't think, uh, and I know I'm not alone in this, I don't think we spend enough time teaching our youth history. I think history is very important, uh, and it's, it's uh, crucial that we learn where we came from and that we also are always stocked with useless trivia facts. Now, I feel that way, Demond, but it's also, while I feel it's important to teach history, I'm also realizing that the things I know and the things that I think are important are only dating me. All they're doing is making me realize that players in this league – keep staying the same age, average age-wise, and I keep getting older. And I discovered that because today we introduced something called Hockey IQ. Now, usually when coaches refer to IQ, they're talking about a player's uh, instincts and his know-how on the ice and how he processes the game. I have decided to interpret Hockey IQ as a player's ability to recall useless hockey facts and historical NHL knowledge. So, just to find out how much our players know We decided to have a little bit of a trivia contest, kind of built off of a a Jeopardy uh, category kind of format. So we had Zach Hayes, Logan Thompson, and Jimmy Schultz. We went to see how much they knew of NHL history from my random assortment of questions. Uh, Well, the answer is not much. Let's give a listen. Welcome to the first episode of Hockey IQ. Today's contestants, defenseman Zach Hayes, goaltender Logan Thompson, and defenseman Jimmy Schult. Fellas, are we ready to play? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Our first question for 100 points. What kind of animal is Lucky the horse? Zach? A horse. Logan? A horse. Jimmy? A stallion. Judges? We'll accept that. Horse is correct. For 200 points, Yaramir Yager is number two all-time in NHL scoring with 1,921 points. Who did he pass on the list? Zach. Cordy Howe. Logan. Uh, He passed a lot of players. Uh, Mario Lemieux.
1: Jimmy. I would say Mario Lemieux.
0: (laughs) The answer is Mark Messier with 1,887 points. For 400 points, the New Jersey Devils arrived on the NHL scene in 1982 after relocating from another city. What NHL team became the New Jersey Devils? Let's hear it, Zach.
2: Colorado Rockies. How about you, Logan? Uh, the, um...
1: Mm. I don't know. Pass. Jimmy? These questions are hard,
0: B-Mac. I would say pass. The New Jersey Devils were formerly the Colorado Rockies. Well, it's a neck-and-neck race. For 600 points, name the three members of the Buffalo Sabers French Connection line. How about you, Zach?
1: French Connection
0: line?
3: Never heard of that before.
1: Logan? Like, are they playing, like, right now? Jimmy? What is going on? Uh,
0: Pass. Gilbert Perrault, Rene Robert, and Rick Martin made up the French connection. For 800 points, name the first American team to win the Stanley Cup. Zach? Boston Bruins. Logan? Detroit? Jimmy?
1: Boston Bruins.
0: The Seattle Metropolitans were the first American team to win the Stanley Cup. For 1,000 points, Brad Marchand has been termed the little ball of hate by players around the league, but he is not the first player to earn the moniker. Who was the original little ball of hate? Zach, Sean Avery, Logan, Bobby Orr, Jimmy, um, Patrick Brown. The original Little Ball of Hate, Pat Verbeek. Here's a chance to break our tie in chronological order, counting backwards from 2020. Name as many first overall draft picks as you can. Zach, uh,
1: Lafreniere, Hughes, uh, uh. I don't know who's in that one. That one year, it's not Matthews or McDavid.
2: Logan, LaFreniere, Hughes, uh, Dolly,
0: Fisher, um, Matthews, uh, McDavid. Um,
1: I don't know the rest. How about Jimmy Schultz? Okay, uh, go. 2020 was LaFreniere. 2019 was Jack Hughes. Uh, 2018. Uh, can you give me a hint? Is a Ford or a D? Is it was a D? Oh, Darlene. Uh, can you give me another hint? This is a joke.
0: Logan Thompson, you are today's winner. Your hockey IQ is certainly unmatched. You've won an autographed picture of Brian McCormick. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy to be here. That is our first edition of Hockey IQ. Now, I've learned from this, I'm going to have to make the questions a little easier. I figured playing with uh, guys who have played hockey their entire lives, I might have to up the ante a little bit, but we might have to scale it back. But we'll play that from time to time, and I encourage you all to play the home edition and tweet us, let us know how you did with our hockey trivia questions as we throw them at our Silver Knights players. Time for, a little bit of time for a very quick scan of the mailbag. We had a few fans send in questions and I'll just combine a couple because they generally had the same concept. Uh, Kyle Rock and Vanessa Peterson both asking about uh, the movement of players back and forth from the parent club and from the Vegas taxi squad and how that impacts the Silver Knights and you know, there's no question it has an impact. And, and another fan uh, whose name I don't have available, I apologize, they asked who's the biggest loss for the Silver Knights, often getting pulled back and forth from the Vegas taxi squad. Well, the player who's probably moved the most and uh, been the most impactful has been Patrick Brown. Uh, and Patrick Brown has often been able to come back in time for game action, but during a lot of the week for practices is, is usually when his call-up to the taxi squad has taken place Um, And I think one of the things that's worth mentioning, because uh, Kyle Rock asked, well, you know, why has there been so much line shuffling? And and the reason is it's been because of necessity, whether it be because of call-ups or uh, the Silver Knights have dealt with some injuries and uh, Gage Quinney was unavailable last night. You know, there was a time that Gage Quinney, Lucas Elvinus, uh, and I believe it was, Paul Cotter I believe but they, they played about six games together you know it hasn't been shuffling just for the sake of shuffling uh, but the Henderson Silver Knights have had a lot of player movement and they've been able to make adjustments and, and keep winning in the process but Manny Viveros has mentioned you know what we don't have a fourth line we have a first line 1A 1A and 1A and uh, part of the development for the Silver Knights is to shuffle their players as much as they can give everyone an offensive opportunity and find ways to put up uh, some scoring and they've done a good job of that thus far Well, a very short hour, as it turns out, but we will wrap things up on HSK Today. We are on the air Friday and Saturday night at 7 p.m. on 1230 The Game for the Silver Knights' next two contests against the Colorado Eagles, Saturday night also on television on the CW Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next Thursday, same time, same place, for HSK Today as we take you inside the Henderson Silver Knights. Please stay tuned. My guys in the desert up next right here on twelve thirty of the game. Have a great week, everybody.